0: Doesn't this auditorium look great and uh, reflective? How about that? We have a good team. And uh, there's a reason behind it because there's something that we want to look forward to. Uh, we really want to invite you back for our Christmas Eve services. This year it's going to be on a Saturday night. We're having two Christmas Eve services. And then. I'm going to do my best to talk you into coming back on Christmas morning for a one-service celebration with kids and everybody. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But here's why we kind of set this up uh, a month before. It just kind of takes time for us to reflect, to uh, ponder, to understand all of what God wants to do. Uh, I like how Chachi ended her prayer in you and then through you. So it takes a while. This is a crazy season. This is a hard season. This is a heavy season for, I would say, all of you. I was about to say most of you, but you know, everyone's struggling somewhere, somehow. And it seems like during Advent season... The, the month before Christmas Eve, Advent typically is the four Sundays before Christmas Eve, whenever that lands, December 24th. And so we anticipate Jesus is coming. That's what Advent means. Advent means to anticipate. But now when we want to anticipate, when we want to reflect, life gets in the way. People that you used to celebrate with are no longer beside you, for some of you. Let's just go right at it. Uh, Those that you were closer to, not as close this year. Let's go right at that. So there's, there's reality in an Advent season if it's going to go ahead and do anything real. So let's go ahead and do that this morning. So I want to encourage you to not just uh, show up on a Christmas Eve, especially those of you uh, on the couch uh, out there. Uh, we want you back. We want you to come. We are better together, and we want to gather together. But I don't want to just show up myself on a Christmas Eve and then, uh, okay, what's this about? Uh, what, what's the message uh, for for me this year, listen to me. God is already wanting to speak to you through this Advent season. He already has been speaking to me. So we're going to go ahead and jump right in into that. Um, last Sunday, um, we talked about two... Prophecies. That was one of the longest sermons I've ever given in over 30 years. And uh, it was a whole chapter, Mark chapter 13. Some of you are thinking, well, I'm so glad I missed that, right? And uh, so there was a lot to it. And I decided to go ahead and jump right in and do all of it because context is key. And uh, so Jesus gives two prophecies. One already has been fulfilled 70 AD when the temple came tumbling down crazy prophecy that Jesus said before he died and rose again. Uh, he said something that seemingly would be impossible. Thing that massive is not going anywhere. And it, it came down, just as Jesus said. And then he gave another prophecy. You know what? Uh, I am coming back. Uh, I haven't left yet. But I'm going to leave. I'm going to die. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to rise again, and I'm going to go ahead and leave And then I'm going to go ahead and come back. And now it's prophecy number two. So it took a while for us to unpack on that. There's a lot of prophecies in the Bible, uh, Old Testament and New Testament. Here's what I want to do for the rest of December. This is the second Sunday of Advent. So last Sunday was the first Advent. We have four candles up here. And uh, so I lit the first candle, and that was the Advent reflection moment of hope. There, there, there can be hope in the dark. There can be hope when it's really hard to see, even believe, that God is on his throne. So hope, there's hope. And that's why Jesus was, was trying to say, listen, the temple's coming down. I'm leaving, but this is part of the plan because I'm coming back. So again, there was hope last Sunday. This morning is the second Sunday of Advent at Grace Point Church. And uh, I'm going to light uh, two candles this morning, one of hope and one a little bit later on. And I'm going to unpack that as, as we start. But what I want to do is push pause on this Mark gospel series that we've been at for over a year. And uh, so we looked at two prophecies uh, last Sunday. We're going to take a look at one prophecy for the next three weeks. And uh, this is the prophecy in the Old Testament. So if you have your outline, uh, at home, outside, inside, um, let's take a look at an ancient prophecy that was given uh, through the prophet Isaiah. uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, 700 years before Jesus showed up. Uh, Isaiah uh, was inspired by God. God spoke to Isaiah, and then God spoke through Isaiah to say, I am sending my son. Live in light of that way back then. Uh, and it's interesting, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 is probably the most quoted Old Testament prophecy, especially around this time of year. Uh, matter of fact, uh, I already am starting to receive... Christmas cards this past week. Some of you early overachievers, you're sending them out. You're making us all feel really bad, okay? And uh, so I really got my first Christmas card on Tuesday. And, and here it is uh, from actually one of the ministries we support and, uh, here. And uh, on the inside of this card, uh, this is the bottom part of it. There it is. May your Christmas be bright and full of good cheer. You're the best pastor. Oh, no, that's not what it says. Full of good cheer. And then it says, For unto us a child is born. You've heard that. Some of you know where it is. It's somewhere in the Bible or somewhere in the Old Testament, somewhere in Isaiah. Oh, yeah, it's Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It's interesting that for unto us a child is born is the first of seven uh, prophetic descriptions of Jesus the Christ. Um, this one gets most attention during the Advent season. Uh, we're going to go ahead and take a look at a few others uh, this uh, this, this Advent at, 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 Grace Point. And so, uh, I hope you understand the, the opportunity that you and I have this month. In spite of all the craziness, the busyness, God says, I have a message for you. Uh, I have a message for Grace Point. I have a message for everyone individually. You know, God speaks to a body and then God speaks to a person and, uh, I want us to to to, to listen I want, I want us to lean in, and so I look forward to a month of of reflection of reflection with you so let me look at, let me give you a little context of Isaiah chapter nine that i'm going to hone in on this a little bit um, last Sunday again, mark thirteen Jesus was describing a time that was going to be really hard to live through. Jesus told his disciples um, that not only I will be persecuted, but you will. There will be problems. If you're just in this for pleasure, if you're in this for prestige, if you're in this for power, you're not going to be in this for too long because there's persecution that's coming. It's going to be painful. Uh, It will not have the last word, but it's going to come loud. And so he, he talked about that. This wasn't the first time that God... Used messengers to speak to his people to say, Life here is not heaven. Heaven will come later. This is a time where you're behind enemy lines. You are a broken person, somewhere, somehow. You are in a broken world and. Full restoration hasn't happened yet, and you're going to have to go ahead and endure some. So let me give you a little bit of Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. This is the context of this. And then we're going to slowly work our way into some descriptions this morning. Larger context, the Assyrians are coming. And so uh, 7... well, there's a lot of history there. So let's let's just keep it, let's keep at a twenty thousand foot view, okay? And so Isaiah is is warning the people that the Assyrian army is coming from the north, and they literally are taking no prisoners. They've already been wiping out uh, country after country. Uh, they're arrogant. They're powerful, and uh, and they're coming. And uh, the, the the nation of Israel was already divided, already compromised in their hearts. And uh, God was going to use this ungodly nation, Assyria, capital Nineveh, if you know some of that story, uh, to go ahead and, uh, and bring some judgment. Um, but again, uh, it will not have the last word. So that, that's the context here. Let me read for you a little bit more. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. No, no lasting gloom. The, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. You're going to walk in darkness. It's going to be difficult, but light's coming. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. That's the context. So again, back then and today, if you need some light, if you need some hope, if you need some assurance, here it is. For to us, a child is born. This is 700 years before this child was born. To us, a son is given. And the, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called. And there's, there's, four, there's four descriptions here. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So there's a lot to this. And actually, these, these seven descriptions are not synonyms. They don't say the same thing. But they're different, unique descriptions of this Messiah. Different layers, different angles, different looks to the one who is to come. Well, again, for to us, a child is born, verse 6, that's the one that gets most pressed here because a child was born in Bethlehem and uh, he was Jesus. But now these other descriptions get a little bit more specific and a little bit more insightful. So for to us, a child is born even more specifically to us, you see it? A son is given. That's a little bit more specific. So it's going to be a son, but don't miss the given part. There's a little bit of irony in that. It's interesting that, yes, in Christmas season, it's the time of giving gifts, it's a time of receiving gifts. And God gave the greatest gift. A son is given. And we have an opportunity to unwrap, receive. And uh, be forgiven. And so, but there's something else here. It's interesting that families typically get closer or try to get closer during this Christmas season. Uh, Matter of fact, that's why holidays are hard uh, for many because family is not as close as you would have hoped to be physically maybe even emotionally. So again, it's a time where there's some, there's some hope, there's some, there's some desire for some connection. And again, for some of you, that's why this is really hard this year because family is not as close. Matter of fact, family is a little bit smaller. So again, uh, we can embrace those emotions. We can be honest about them and, and, and grow with God through them. But here's where I want to do this little bit of irony here. It's interesting that a son is given that you have this mystery of the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They were together for eternity. That's crazy, right? So again, uh, they didn't create you, us, because... The Trinity was lonely. There was perfect community, perfect togetherness. But as an expression of their love, the Bible says in Genesis, let us make mankind in our image. So Father, Son, Holy Spirit, alive and well, creating you and, and, and I. And it's interesting that during this, son, this time, a father and son did not stay together. A father gave his son for you. So there's there's literally some intentional distance. That is why Jesus had a hard time with the cross. We're going to do that statement along with some other statements at the end of our Mark series when we get back to in January. But why have you forsaken me? What's that about? For the first time, there was... This distance. You know, it started when a son was given. A son wasn't kept, but a a son was given. And uh, there there was some sacrifice there. So, But that's not kind of where we're going to go more this morning. The third description, uh, the government shall be upon his shoulder. What does that mean? Jesus came to rule. Jesus came to have authority. Jesus came to go ahead and be king. And not just any king. And not just, again, uh, have one government uh, on his shoulder, like the Middle East, where where he was from. Um, The government, the idea of this description is that Jesus Christ is the one who will have all authority once The crucifixion and the resurrection is reality. And uh, literally, that's what Jesus says after all, that all authority has been given to me. Not just, again, in one proximity, but basically on this planet. And uh, matter of fact, there's a verse a little bit later on, towards the end of this story, is Revelation 19, verse 16. On Jesus' robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of kings, Lord of lords. So, so I guess a, a, a child is born, that is his humanity. Son is given, it's his ministry, he's, he's been given, there's a mission, there's a ministry that he has, but government, that's his authority. And that's why sometimes it's very hard for us to, to trust, because, well, if he has all this authority, why is there so much Craziness and cancers and chaos and and terrorism and injustice. And so again, uh, listen to me. He's coming back. And that's back in Mark chapter 13. He knows how hard it is to wait well. So again, uh, the first three uh, is kind of a, a, a speaking into this, this multifaceted view of the Messiah that, that God wants us to have. Um, but then after that, there's four other descriptions. Do you see them? These are names more than descriptions. There's four names here, and we're going to focus on three of the four starting this morning and for the next two Sundays. We're going to lean in on these. Um, This morning, we're going to take a good look at Wonderful Counselor. Next Sunday, we're going to take a look at Mighty God. The third is Everlasting Father. And again, we're not going to just take a look at Counselor, God, and Father, but these these statements, these descriptions um, before. Jesus is a Wonderful Counselor. He's a Mighty God. How is that? Everlasting Father. I thought he was the Son of God, not the Father in heaven. We're going to take a look at that and uh, as we unfold these, 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 these descriptions. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. So again, uh, this morning, we're going to take a look at Wonderful Counselor. Next Sunday morning, we'll take a look at Mighty God, and then we're going to take a look at Everlasting Father. And then we're all going to come back for Christmas Eve and take a look at the Prince of Peace. And then we're going to come back on Christmas morning and, uh, and have a birthday party. And so that'll be kind of fun. Not your party. It's Jesus's party. And, uh, so, uh, and kids are all going to be invited. It's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. So let's go ahead and jump into this. So wonderful counselor. What does that mean for Advent Grace Point Church 2022? How can I go ahead and live in light of the fact that Jesus is called by name, Wonderful counselor. And, uh, you know, interesting, there are some churchy words that we don't typically use. A churchy word is wonderful, and you use that one, don't you? When was the last time you used wonderful? My guess is in any given week, uh, something was perceived as wonderful. And, uh, I mean, this past week, I had a few great meals. And by the way, uh, Rhonda is fine. And uh, I'm fine, too. I've had a sh- sore shoulder for a couple of days, but I'm getting... But no, she, she had a surgery, right? And so many of you were praying for her. Thank you for that. And so thank you for some of the, the, the meals and the dinners and your prayers, your support. And uh, so we're humbled, and, and uh, we're very thankful for you. And uh, she's fine. She gets another post-surgery uh, meeting, uh, post all that, uh, Tuesday. And uh, she had a couple tumors on her thyroid Parathyroid and uh, classic uh, stuff, and something was removed, and then something is under functioning. Now something is over functioning. So all her stuff's getting worked out. She's doing much better, and uh, so and uh, and we're hoping for a good uh, post surgery uh, meeting on Tuesday, and uh, and then she, she's uh, she'll be back full full strength. All right, so again, great meal, uh, great views. One thing Ron and I love to do, maybe maybe you do, you should, go to see a sunset every now and then. I mean, sometimes these skies just literally pop off, right? And so, and what we've learned is after the sunset goes down, sun goes down, stay, because then the colors really start happening. And so again, wonderful views and uh, wonderful meals, and then some wonderful news. Uh, Some of the the accomplishments uh, that, that we hear about and some of the things and the people you've been praying for. So again, we use, we use wonderful and I've used all of these uh, lately, but if Jesus is a wonderful counselor, how, how is he wonderful? That's the first question I'm going to go after this morning. I'm going to give you some, some ways he can be wonderful in his counsel. And, uh, as opposed to some other counselors who are not so wonderful, okay? And, uh, and then we'll take a look at, based on that, then what can we do about that? How, how, do we, how do we glean more from this wonderful counselor? So on your outline, let's go ahead and just jump right on in. So how is Jesus a wonderful counselor? If he's wonderful, what does that mean? And it's interesting, when we use wonderful, it's kind of a, a, a general term of, of, of satisfaction, Right? Of, of, of wow, wonder. In the Bible, it's even more powerful. Uh, the word wonderful in the scriptures, in the Old Testament, is literally special. But more than special, unique, one of a kind, above and beyond. That's the idea. Because again, if you have a wonderful meal, uh, you're not really saying that's the best meal ever. it's just It was really great. But when the word wonderful is used, it literally is a word that is setting apart whatever, whoever is being described. So Jesus is a set apart, above and beyond, better than the rest, counselor. So, okay, so, so what makes him that? Let me give you some four uh, attributes of, of, of good counseling. And uh, if you're going for a counselor, we got even a few therapists in our church, and uh, if you're going to go ahead and, and, and uh, uh, trust someone to listen to them and to, 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 sh- to share your hearts and hurts with them, what are you looking for? Well, Let me tell you what, who the wonderful counselor is. Here's the first one, that he loves us. You, when you want to go to a counselor, you want to go to someone, he or her, that's for you, and not just for them. That, does that make sense? You really want to talk to someone, trust someone that, that it is for you, that cares for you, that loves you, doesn't just want to use you. And uh, so the question is, well, how is Jesus wonderful? How do we know he loves you? How do we know he loves us? Well, again, you love who or what you sacrifice for don't tell me you love her or you love him if there's not evidence of sacrifice. This is empty words. As a matter of fact, stop saying it because you're confusing people. And so love is a choice of sacrifice. And so uh, it's not some ooey-gooey emotion. That stuff goes up and down. But love, agape love, is, you know what? I sacrifice for you. That's the way Jesus loves you. How do we know that? Well, again, classic verse. Look at 1 John three sixteen. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for you, for, for us. So he sacrificed for you. He loves you. And that is evidence of that. 1 John 3. 1 John 4, next chapter here. We have seen, this is the last living apostle, John. We have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. So he's a wonderful counselor because he's for you. He loves you. He doesn't just say it. He hung for it. Man, that's good news. One of the commentaries that I uh, appreciate, the wisdom that I have studied from, is uh, a commentary of Romans. We went through the book of Romans some years ago, and Karl Barth died in 1968, a Swiss theologian. uh, Basically, his best work, uh, he spent years and years and years putting it together. It's a commentary on Romans. Classic. He was a brilliant man, and... uh, uh, and he was an esteemed scholar, pastor, uh, professor. Uh, he was a good thinker. Uh, towards the end of Karl Barth's life, uh, he was asked, and this is a direct question. Uh, toward the end of his life in ministry, he was asked, uh, Dr. Bart, what was the greatest thought you ever had? Because he had a lot of great thoughts. What was the greatest thought you ever had? He didn't skip a beat. Here's my greatest thought I've ever had and heard. Jesus loves me. This I know. The Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. That's the most profound thought he's ever heard. That's the thought I really want you to hear. That Jesus is a wonderful counselor. Because he literally laid down his life for you. He's a wonderful counselor. So he loves us. The second one, he encourages us. So again, a counselor is not so wonderful, he or she, if they don't inspire you to move forward. Right? So again, you don't want to just have someone that reflectively listens and loves. You want someone that encourages that things can move. And here's a next step. And so, again, uh, a wonderful counselor is one that encourages. Now, again, we've been through some of you. uh, You've hung in there with us here. We've been in this gospel of Mark for over a year. And uh, so we have stories that we have journeyed through together. And there's literally story after story after story in the gospel of Mark where Jesus loves, uh, Jesus inspires, Jesus encourages. Let me just give you two of my favorites. And we unpacked them a long time ago, but we're not going to go back. But early on, Mark chapter 1, verse 17, a bunch of rough uh, fishermen uh, fishing for fish. And they've heard about Jesus. Uh, this isn't the first time that they were moved by him. But then Jesus gives them an invitation. Uh, Great story. Early on, beginning of Jesus building his team. And Jesus said to them, follow me. And I'll make you fishers of men. Guys, you're fishing for fish. I see way more potential in you to literally change this world. Uh, I I will inspire you. Uh, I will grow you, and, uh, and the world will be changed, starting with you. Uh, I'll make you fishers of men. That was inspiring. Boy, That's they dropped their nets, and, and we're, we're, we're all in. Another great story is a little bit later on, Mark chapter 5. This woman has had a bleeding issue for 12 years. And in that uh, culture, in any culture, that's very hard. People... Treat you different, but in that culture, you are literally legally unclean. You can't be with people if you have this type of illness. You have to literally scream out "unclean," as if they don't already know. She's so desperate. Jesus is coming, and she's. I. I don't want to get in trouble, but I. I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm not gonna try. I'm going to try. And so she leaves her condo. She goes and she just wants to touch Jesus. I don't want to talk to him. I don't want to break the law. I just want to see if I can be healed. I don't want to bother him. I don't want him to be bothered by me. And some of you know that story. She, 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 she reaches out and she touches. Holy Spirit heals her. Jesus stops the train who touched me. It's, a, it's an amazing story because Jesus wasn't about to have her leave and not know that she's loved and known and protected. And so, in that story, Mark chapter 5, 33, uh, the only time Jesus calls someone daughter. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling. Oh, I'm in trouble. I should never have done this. Fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. I love this. Go in peace, be healed of your disease. There is some inspiring encouragement that, you know what, you're my daughter. She needed to hear that. Everybody needed to hear that. You mess with her, you mess with me. That's basically what Jesus is saying here. And uh, so he loves them, loves you. He encourages them. He wants to encourage you. Number three, he's patient. No counselor is worth much. Not so wonderful if they're not patient. uh, Because we all stumble. That's why we get counsel, right? And so again, uh, Boy, we, we see these stories in the Gospel of Mark two. how many times did these fishermen and these tax collectors and these early disciples, these early followers they stumble? They stumble a lot. Jesus teaches, they forget Jesus teaches again, they, they, they forget uh, he, they ask questions he 's patient with them, and uh, one of the stories in Mark chapter nine uh, we talked about Mark chapter eight, nine, and ten, where those three chapters, Jesus says three times. Guys, I'm getting closer to my death. When we go to Jerusalem, uh, I will be arrested. I will be mocked, spit on, beaten up, bullied. I will be killed. I'm going to rise again. They, they miss it. They don't want to hear that. And, uh, but he's been trying to teach them, but they're not listening. Have you ever been there? But he's patient with them. And then Mark chapter 9, the second time, Jesus said, Now, guys, really, this is really going to happen. Um, this, is, this is what is, is on their minds. Do you remember that? Uh, Jesus is telling them, and they're walking, but they're kind of discussing some things behind him. What were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way, they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And so, again, Jesus did not say, You know, I'm done with you guys. I'm going for another 12. He doesn't do it. And uh, he, he's patient with them. And... Uh, One of the stories we haven't gotten to yet, Mark chapter 14, uh, Jesus uh, reignites Peter's passion to follow and to be the minister that Jesus is calling him up to be. This is Peter, the denier. This is Peter who at the moment where he could really shine bright and be bold, uh, he cowered. He, he denied even knowing. G. He even started cussing. And he started trying to sound as ungodly as he possibly could. Would anybody that has this type of uh, tone and this type of, of, of vocabulary uh, uh, know him? And uh, so, again, uh, he, he's about to quit uh, and after this story. We'll get to there in, in, after, in, in January or February or March, whenever we get there. And uh, so we'll get there. And... Uh, but I love how Jesus reinstates him and, uh, and encourages him and inspires him to keep moving forward. See, some of you, you have wanted to quit. You thought this Christian life would be easier. You had this different idea of, of what I would call thin theology, uh, where if I love Jesus, he's going to make my life easier. Uh, and that's just not the case. Um, he's going to make you holier and uh, stronger. And uh, brighter, uh, but and and all that. And uh, so, uh, don't quit. He loves you. Uh, he wants to encourage you, and he will be patient with you. Sometimes uh, we give up on ourselves uh, before God ever gives up on us. And so, um, He's patient. Love is patient. Number four, He knows us, and then uh, that makes a good counselor too, right? It's really hard to be a good counselor when you have no context for what a person is going through. This is where we are all limited. I've been a pastor counselor for for many years now. And uh, some we counsel in-house and much we refer out to ministers, therapists, counselors in our church and beyond. But I still do my share. And I have many times seen the look and heard the words. If you've had any counseling uh, or if you've been a counselor before, you've seen the look. Uh, You've heard this word. The look is a look of loneliness. You're, You're hearing someone's story. And I've heard my share. And then I see the look where they really know something that, Pastor Bob, you really don't know what I'm going through. I don't think anybody knows what I'm going through. So please don't tell me you know how I don't do that, right? Well, I don't say that because I don't know. But that limits my counsel. It does. If I really knew, if I really felt, if I swallowed what was poured in them, then I would be able to be more of a wonderful counselor in that moment. So I've heard that. Pastor Bob, uh, you just don't understand you know what i say i say you're right i don't know i don't understand the depth of your hurt um how awful that would be um but there's a but to that but i know someone who does I know someone who is qualified to counsel you because of what he's been through, and this is not just some religious cliche. This is history. This is Jesus, who literally went through it, who walked where we walk. One of the many passages, and uh, is Hebrews chapter twelve, Hebrews chapter two. Sorry. And uh, let me read this for you. And it was necessary for Jesus to be like us for a lot of reasons. Uh, ultimately, to die in your place. Uh, the second Adam, if you know that story, we'll be taking a look at that in two weeks. And it was necessary for Jesus to be like us so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Merciful and faithful. Faithful, obedient, answer his call. How was he merciful? Because he felt it. A priest who would be again. Both merciful and faithful. In dealing with the sins of the people. How? Verse 18. For since he himself has now been through. Suffering and temptation. He's been through it. He knows what it is like. When we suffer. And are tempted. And he is wonderfully. There's that word. He is wonderfully able, equipped to counsel you, to to help you. You know, it's a real awful feeling to feel alone. And I would say whoever the most mature Christ follower is on this planet, wherever he or she is, there's still some loneliness in their hearts. There's still something that God says, hold on. The best is coming. You're still... uh, Sinful, you're forgiven, but you still got some sin stuff going on. And, uh, and you're in a broken world full of sin. Uh, but there will be a day. I'm going to wipe it all out. I'm going to heal you completely. And uh, we're going to have a face-to-face that we were meant to have in the beginning. But for now, uh, just know that I know. That's, that's, that's the message of the incarnation of Jesus. So um, so that's Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Uh, th- those, those are some descriptions related to how Jesus is a wonderful counselor. Here's what I want to do for the next just few minutes here. Now I've tried to make a case that he really is a wonderful counselor, and that is why he was described 700 years before he was born. So how can you take advantage of that? So if, if he is this wonderful counselor, what gets in the way of gleaning from his counsel. Because listen to me, even the Christ followers in this room, taking advantage of Jesus being a wonderful counselor is not automatic. Some of you do it much more than others do it. Some of you benefit way more from this wonderful counselor than others. So what gets in the way and what can we do this Christmas season So that we can go ahead and when we get together on Christmas Eve and hopefully Christmas morning, just for an hour, Jesus' birthday party, don't miss it. And uh, you know what? It's been a month of reflection. It's been a month not just of anticipation of Adventing, but I've been reflecting on some things. And uh, I've taken advantage of the fact that He is a wonderful counselor for me. How does He want to counsel you this month? What are some things he doesn't want you to run ahead of him on? How do you do that? So let's, let, let, let's, let's, let's jump in. So what I want to do for the rest of our time, if you have your Bible, you can turn to Mark chapter 4. We're going to take a look at a passage. Actually, we looked at a year ago. Matter of fact, uh, I actually found the date, January 16th uh, of 2022. Uh, we looked at Mark chapter 4, 1 through 20, and literally the sermon title for that morning was Four Mindsets for 2022. So I, I gave a, a longer message than I'm going to give now, and, uh, but literally the same mindsets from this parable of the soils for 2022. How do we maximize... This walk with Jesus that Jesus made available and and we have chosen to receive. So, mindsets for this year. It's the same four-fold mindset for this month. So, the same mindsets to launch into a new year are the same four that we can go ahead and wrap up this year together. Specifically, on milking this month full of insight related to Jesus coming to us, matter of fact, uh, so look with me here. Mark chapter four, verse nine, is the first time of many times. that we've been looking at at this gospel series where Jesus says this statement. This is the first time it shows up in verse nine. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. The idea there, there's a difference between listening and receiving. And so again, you have heard Jesus is a wonderful counselor. Are you, are you able to receive it? Are you able to benefit from it? That's kind of where I want to go with you for the rest of this time. So again, I'm going to unpack. It won't take me this long. And uh, you can go way back. It's still on our website. You can listen to the whole thing. And, uh, but I'm going to go ahead and highlight because there's four ways I want you to consider uh, leaning. Three to avoid, one to embrace Jesus being a wonderful counselor. So uh, let's just jump right on in. How can we listen to God this season? How do we listen to him as our wonderful counselor? Uh, here's the first one. Uh, we need to, for the next three and a half weeks, we need to cultivate an open mind. You need to have an open mind and not a closed mind that God can and wants to speak to you. What does that mean? Just don't go through the motions. Don't just show up and... Uh, and uh, and And have your your heart closed uh, and your arms folded, and you come to God and say, "Prove to me, don't do that, come with your heart open, come with an open mind And God, I do believe that you spoke in the past, and you can speak today. You don't just speak to the to the to the Billy Grahams, you speak to the normal people like me and uh so uh, cultivate an, an open mind. Parable of the soil, soils, uh, Mark chapter 4, um, Jesus used a, a, a familiar story that they see regularly. I've got this farmer and this plot of land, right? Classic story. He has this bag of seeds. He throws out the seed, hoping that some will grow. And there's four different areas on the land where the seed falls, And the same seed sometimes grows, sometimes doesn't grow at all. And then sometimes grows a little, and sometimes it dries out. And so again, the idea there is, Jesus says, be like the good soil, don't be like the other three. And so I want to encourage you to lean into this. This is a way to have a mindset for the rest of your life, but specifically for this month. I want you to go ahead and lean into this Advent season with us. Cultivate an open mind. Look at Mark 4, 3, and 4. Behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. You guys know about a path. A path is is where it's been walked on. So that dirt is no longer soft, but hardened. And so when the seed falls on the hardened path, the seeds don't penetrate. The seeds then don't germinate because it stays on top anything stays on top the wind or the birds or whatever it just it just goes away that's what happens to a lot of sermons <laughs> that's what happens to a lot of biblical uh, devotionals ooh we gooey that felt wonderful but then we don't do anything with it and uh, but some of you uh It's not even ooey and gooey because you really don't think it's from God at all. Did you know that God speaks to you way more than you think he does? Some of you think it's this and that. Listen, the Holy Spirit is alive and well. and He speaks through all kinds of of people, uh, of of vessels, of tools. And uh, we need to be open to what God wants to say. Always through the grid, uh, through the guard of the scriptures. God will never contradict himself but we need to be open and not close-minded. So the idea there is a hardened soil is a closed mindset. Don't go through the motions in the next three or four weeks thinking, you know what, I've heard it all, nothing to learn. Jesus is born, and I still have my problems, that kind of stuff. And so be open. God, give me some fresh stuff. Here I am. Open my eyes. Open my ears. May I have eyes to see, ears To hear. Uh, So cultivate an open mind. The second one is anticipate hardship. Anticipate hardship. If you're walking into this Christmas season thinking, you know what, it's going to be one long season of calm reflection, it's not. You're going to get flat tires. You're going to get phone calls. You're going to get worn out. Christmas is crazy. Don't believe because God loves you, he's going to protect you and yours from all harm. If you have that thin theology, when hell breaks loose, when life happens... You're going to struggle with trusting God because I thought, God, if you love me, you would not have let this happen. Let's go there a little bit. Take a look at Mark 4, 5, and 6. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil. Immediately it sprang up since it had no depth. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it, had, and since it had no root, it withered away. couple things here. So again, not just a hardened path. This is some of the sea that fell on rocky soil. And in Israel, rocky soil is not soil with rocks, okay? Uh, rocky soil is typically you have this layer of limestone that is everywhere, and then you have like two or three inches of topsoil on top of limestone. That's rocky soil. So what happens is the seed goes onto this rocky soil and there's no opportunity for roots to go down because the limestone stops it. And so based on the warmth of the limestone, you have the seed on top. You can't go too far down. It grows pretty fast because there's warmth from the limestone underneath. But with no roots, notice what it says here. When... The sun rose. Listen to me. There is a when to this Advent season. When stuff happens. When you get hurt. When they disappoint. When the phone call comes. So listen to me. You can be sad when that happens. You should be sad. Just don't be surprised. I want to set you up to have a an amazing Advent season. But don't set yourself up thinking it's going to be one wonderful circumstantial season. You're going to have some wonderful moments and then you're going to have some other moments, okay? And so when the sun rose, when stuff happens, keep trusting, keep listening, keep leaning in. Stuff happens. Are you going to lean towards God or are you going to lean away from God? Anticipate hardship. So a shallow soil is, I would call this, a comfort mindset. A comfort mindset is, if I read my Bible, if I pray, if I go to church, if I give, then God, I'm, you're going to protect me from all harm. That you know, it's so sad. Some people actually teach that. It's just not true. And so uh, don't have this comfort mindset, this shallow view of God's love. Honestly, God loves you enough to walk you through certain things. And uh, some of the best maturing moments in my life, probably in your life, is when God did not walk you around something. He walked you through it. Number three, allocate time to listen. Here it is. You need more than Sunday. We're going to have Moments together this month, this Advent season, you need more. M- most of our small groups are taking a break in December. We're going to jump back on in, and matter of fact, we even have some new layers to our small groups coming up. And uh, but you're going to need more than Sunday this month. I encourage you to take time to listen to God's whispers in solitude. You know, at our church, we talk about Sunday, small group and solitude, and we talk about some other things, but basically that's how to ex- experience God. That's how, to, how to, to listen to God. You listen to Him in large group and small group and in solitude. Let me tell you about your solitude. You know there's two Christmas stories in the New Testament: Matthew chapter two and Luke chapter two. I really want to encourage you. Spend some time early in the morning or, or in your car at lunch or late at night. Somewhere, somehow, when it's just you and God and it's quiet, then read and reflect. Take time to listen because everybody else and all the problems, all the responsibilities you have are going to try to weaken those moments that could be wonderful. God, as a wonderful counselor, does want to speak to you in settings like this. The most significant moments that you will have with Jesus Christ is just when it's you and he. Give that opportunity. Carve out some time. You're going to have to carve it out. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be convenient. You're going to have to get up early. You're going to have to stay up late. You're going to have to get in your car. You're going to have to say no to somebody else to say yes to this. But I really want to encourage you to do that. So again, uh, uh, other seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no grain. There's some of this I want to kind of go after. The idea there is when you have some seed growing, you got weeds and thorns. Let's just call it other stuff growing beside it, taking nutrients from it. You don't have just this you and Jesus reality. You got you, Jesus, and everybody and everything else. And so what is trying to grow up alongside your devotion to this Advent season that's competing for your attention. Listen to me. I think some of us, let me just go ahead and talk about me just for a second, and then I'm going to quickly get back talking about you. You know, it's really hard for me to not think about other people's problems because I think I can control them. I think that I'm the answer for them. So when I start worrying, when I start getting distracted of, uh, of talking and listening to everybody else's issues, God, I release them to you. I'm no one's savior, I'm just pastor. You're the savior, you're the deliverer, you are the empower. So God, for the next five, ten, whatever moments, I release them to you and God, I need you here. And so, again, some of you, you're worrying because that's your attempt to control what you can't control. Some of the greatest love gifts you can give to someone else is to cast them onto Christ so that you can go ahead and listen to his whisper. And so, again, uh, what is crowding out? So then this is the thorny soil, a crowded mindset. Your life is crowded. Crowded. Honestly, your life is supposed to be crowded, okay? Jesus' life was crowded, but it wasn't crowded all the time. Look at this next verse. We looked at this way back in Mark again. Look at Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Jesus woke up very early in the morning while he was still dark. Why did he do that? Because that's the only time he could be alone. Every time someone saw him, they wanted something from him. Just like you, just like many of you. Rising early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went outside to a desolate place. And there he prayed. You need that. He needed that. So I'm not saying that's going to be easy for some of you, maybe all of you. But I'm saying it's a necessity. If you're going to maximize this Advent season, uh, allocate some time to listen. One of my favorite verses, some of you know this passage, the classic Old Testament, Psalms 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I'm God. Some of you, you really, I mean, that word know is a very, very personal word. Some of you, you've never had those personal moments with God because you've never stilled yourself. He loves to whisper. I've learned that in my life. Typically, when God has to shout, it's because there's been times I haven't listened to his whispers. Be still and know. I love the message paraphrase step out of the traffic, take a long, loving look at me. Long, loving look at me. Your high God, above politics, <laughs> above everything. One last one, number four. Cooperate with God. Here is how God counsels less. When He counsels you, and you don't do anything about it. Listen to me. There's some people I don't counsel anymore because they're just not doing what I've already encouraged them to do. So they they come back and say, Well, have you no, I haven't written, uh, you know what? Uh, you, you got enough to take your next steps. And uh so uh God will counsel you less when you don't commit to do what he says. Um, he doesn't enable uh, you treating him as a casual consultant. We've talked about this before. So cooperate with God. This is the last one. Look at Mark 4, verse 8. And other seeds fell into good soil. This is the stuff that, that, that germinates. Uh, and produce grain, growing up, increasing, yielding, 30, 60, 100. This good stuff, good soil. And again, if you look at Mark chapter 4, Jesus unpacks each of those. We're not doing that this morning. We're just taking a highlight of this. But I'm going to go here on this one. Jesus literally explains and describes what this good soil symbolizes. How, how do you become good soil? How do, you, how do you have a mindset? How do you have a life? It literally grows because of God's wonderful counsel. We'll take a look at a little bit later on in Mark chapter 4. Look at Mark 4 verse 20. Uh, last verse of the morning, actually. Those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word. Listen to me. All of the other ones heard it. But this one heard it and accepted it. And then it bore fruit. 30, 60, and 100. 100. I know you're hearing, you're hearing right now. Do you accept it? Or do you have a closed mind? Or you have a hard time listening because of all the stuff you know is waiting for you right outside that door, that you really are trying to control. If there is one thing that I would encourage you to choose to consider is to have a committed mindset. For the next four Sundays, uh, starting now, the the Advent season, God, I commit, I commit, I don't want to just listen. I want to live out what you say. God, I pray that you would be my wonderful counselor for the next few weeks. So let me milk as much of Christmas As possible. And God, whatever you say, I'm going to do. There they are. What mindset do you most struggle with? And what does the next step of commitment mean for you? This is the first Sunday of the month. Typically, this is now our Lord Sunday moment, Lord's Supper Sunday moment, and and, and here it is. So here's what I want to do. Uh, I'm going to light now two candles, and uh, the first one was last Sunday. This is Advent Sunday number one, last Sunday, and that is the candle of hope. There really is hope in the dark. There's really hope that is beyond this world. The second candle is the candle that peace with God is possible. And so is this wick. What does this mean? Let's go back to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Uh, a child was what? Born. A son was what? Given. A son was given so you can have peace with God. Listen to me, so many of you are waiting to have the peace of God. The peace on this planet before you have peace with God. Jesus came to give you peace with God and solve your sin situation. A son was given. A son left heaven to come down to die on a cross and say, I love you this much. That's Christmas. See, a lot of people enjoy the cute little baby story. Christmas is just part of this gospel message. He's not a baby anymore, but he came as a baby, vulnerable baby. Why would he do that? Because you needed him to. You needed him to live the life that we could not live, a perfect life. Obeying all the laws can't do that. I don't even live, live up to my own standards, let on God's. And then he said, listen, I'm going to give all that I did perfectly. I'm going to go ahead and put it on your account. So that's what the Lord's Supper is all about. Jesus came. He was given so you can have the possibility of being forgiven. And this is a reminder of that. Listen to me. This is not an empty ritual. This is a moment of reflection for those who have received Jesus as their Christ. And so uh, Jesus, uh, towards the end of his ministry, he gathered in the upper room. Some of you know that story. And uh, he spent some time with his 12. And he says, soon I'm leaving. And I want you to do what I'm about to do for you in remembrance of me as often as you can. And so uh, the juice uh, symbolizes Jesus' blood. I had a little cute moment this morning earlier on. You guys are worshiping, and I was kind of worshiping, but I was a little distracted because there's a cute little kid coming up here and putting the boxes or over here. And then she saw the juice. And so she was about to go grab some juice, you know? And uh, yes, it's juice, but it's more than juice. It stays juice, it doesn't turn into blood, but it symbolizes Jesus' blood. It, it, it's a reminder that blood was shed. And this little wafer that you have an opportunity to go ahead and crunch and taste a little bit. uh, It's not Jesus' body. It symbolizes his body that was hung for you. His real body because he really came. Christmas really happened. You are loved this morning. You are wonderfully made. And Jesus as a wonderful counselor wants to guide you. But he won't guide you if you're not in the family. Be part of the family. Be forgiven. Be adopted in. Be born again. Uh, And uh, if you are, then that's the moment that you have. So typically, if you're new, this is kind of how we do it here. We're still in these little package seasons. The white ones in the middle are gluten-free. The other ones uh, are are, are not gluten-free. And uh, you got the wafer on one side. You got the juice on the other. Have a moment just between you and Jesus. Some of you, you need more solitude with Jesus. Have that right now. So I'm bringing Chachi back. She's going to have a reflective song for you. And uh, have a moment with Jesus the Christ. He did come. He did come to be deliverer. Is he your deliverer? Is he your savior? Is he your forgiver? If so, come and experience the Lord's Supper in remembrance of who he is and the relationship that you have with him. And Greg's going to lead us. No, he's not. So...
1: more than a song I bring you more than a song I'll bring you more than a song Sing I'll bring you more than a song I'll bring you you all of my life, let's sing that out.
2: see for just a moment a couple of quick things to share with you um boy I'm I'm really thankful for this place all the action here um we've got some new stuff and uh, I wanted to give you an update about these boxes three no no that's that's the wrong slide 129 was last week let me spoil the surprise <laughs> 361 boxes <laughs> we're doing great we got a. Uh, we got more than that because I know some came in today, so we got maybe 75% of our target, and about 75% of the time is left. So if we finish strong, we can do this. So, so thankful for a church like this that is that's uh, so generous. And um, 361. Our target is 500. Now, um, just to remind you, these are uh, going to be collected up until next Sunday, the 11th. This is your last opportunity to to get them packed and get them here. Then we're going to get them down to Mexico, and we have a big outreach event. And so uh, a bunch of kids who live in the the area near Central Shalom, our ministry partner down there, are going to receive these and take them home. And so uh, if you uh, if you come up here after service, you can get a feel for it. If you, if you're new to this idea, but uh, we we got kids of all ages in that community, boys and girls from uh, 14 down, and uh, we we need to get a, a good variety of boxes so everybody gets something for Christmas. That's the idea. And, and they're not just going to get a Christmas present. They're going to hear about uh, what Jesus has done for them through this outreach that's planned for December 16th. So I need the boxes on the 11th, so we have time to get them across the border and uh, and get them there for the event on the 16th. Sound good? Um, so what if we don't know what should be in the boxes? I'm glad you asked. If you don't know what's in the boxes, again, come up here, get some inspiration, but also... Out in the lobby, I've got a little sheet. You may have seen it in your email box, too. And it's got uh, some suggestions. We're asking for about $10 or $15. Don't put a tennis bracelet in there. But uh, you could fill it up with, with anything you like. The, the, uh, the, the items on the sheet are just a suggestion. And, and someone asked, don't buy everything on the sheet. Uh, pick out a few things. Let's get something that's, uh, that's suitable for the age group that you have in mind, and, uh, and, and fill a box. It doesn't have to be wrapped, but you're welcome to wrap it. If you do wrap it, I want to make sure that the lid can come off uh, without destroying the wrapping paper because uh, we need to make sure that we get the, the the appropriate box to the appropriate kid. And when we cross the border, we need, we might need to open them up and show that it's not cocaine or something, that it's, it's a Christmas gift. We can do that, right? So any questions about that, I will be available um, at the uh, gazebo afterwards. Um, but I think... So many of you clearly have have got it just right. So this is great. Well done, church. Let's finish strong. Uh, Another thing, every uh, Sunday, the first Sunday of every month, I have a prayer meeting here at 6 o'clock. In in the lobby, there's a a map of the world, and we've been slowly coloring it in, 10 countries a month. And uh, the 10 countries that we're going to pray for tonight at 6 p.m. is a closely guarded secret. You'll have to come to find out. But I'll tell you, one of them is... um, Mexico. We're going to pray for the households that are going to receive this box. So uh, if, if that appeals to you, come at 6 o'clock and pray with me. We'll be done at 7 o'clock, and, um, and it's it's truly just a prayer meeting. There's there's no child care. There's, I'm not even going to serve you coffee. You're just going to have to come prepared to pray with me for one hour. If that appeals to you, we'll be here. Thanks for that. And then uh, we got our kids choir coming up on the 18th. Um, if your kids are involved in that, You probably already know about it, but if you don't have kids, make sure you're here on the 18th because you're going to want to be here for that performance. And then with everything else new to look at, you might have neglected to look in the back of the seat in front of you, and we have new communication cards. Um, So these work a lot like the old communication cards, but if you're new to this church, or, um, or perhaps you're not new to this church, but you're not getting our emails, it might be because your information is out of date. So grab this card fill it out. There's a box that you can check that says update my info. Uh, we want to make sure that we can communicate with you. As you can see, we've got a lot going on. We send a lot of emails. We, uh, we want to make sure that we can get in touch with you if you need it. And if you're brand new, this is a great way to get involved. And if you're brand new, you can fill out this card and then take it to the front porch coffee shop over here and use it to pay for your coffee. So if you're a first-time guest, I'm going to sweeten the pot for you. If you're not a first-time guest and you try to do this trick, I'm going to see that you're already in my system, and I'm going to call you up. So don't, don't ruin this for everybody. But for the, those of you who are new, we want to welcome you the right way. All right? That's all I got. So God bless you. See you next week. Merry Christmas. Oh,